Chapter six of a month on the Norfolk Broads on board the Wherry Zoe and its tender, the Tub Lotus, by Walter Rye. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. St. Bennet's and up the Ant. Next day we went botanizing a bit, and on some wild hemlock found a thing which most of us in our ignorance thought was a green slug of quaint and eccentric pattern but which turned out to be the larva of the swallowtail one of the last of the exotic-looking butterflies left to us though we afterwards heard they were not uncommon up the barton river this was the way we though no entomologists wanted to go and soon after breakfast we up sail and away the liar telling us a pretty little romance as we went of how he once was sitting in the well of a yacht near here telling a story to his skipper when a butterfly came and settled on his knee and from the way it opened and shut its wings and waved its long antennae he almost thought it might be listening to his tale possibly remarked the poet for it was no doubt one of the species whose larva we have just found a swallow tail butterfly it need hardly be said we all went below after this and had something with ice in it for a mile or so the lotus and the big wherry kept along the sinuous course of the ant which is none too wide for a large boat the result being that the two pushed the water up in front of them to such an extent that the backwash ran seething right over the banks on both sides our wild career was soon stopped when we came in sight of ludham bridge the visitors when they saw the small semicircular hole in a brick wall which is dignified by this name resolutely declined to believe we could ever get through but down came both masts and the little old boat got through all right just scraping under with everybody holding on to the gaff to keep the end of the mast down and something on one side cutting a great groove in the brickwork as we just got through the zoe however was not so lucky and was obliged to keep the wrong side of the bridge the liar was great in telling how on one occasion he was in a big wherry and the man helped her through by drawing water in buckets over the bows and emptying them behind so as to lower her forehead but his story was not looked on as up to his usual mark and seemed wanting in probability still there is no doubt that barton broad the prettiest and quaintest of all the broads is practically barred to all large boats by this wretched little bridge for people don't care to take a wherry up just scrape through and then if a little rain comes on find themselves literally prisoners to perhaps half a dozen miles of water for an unlimited time 
one of these days when my old boat gets really too old to use any longer i mean to freight her with gunpowder man her with yarmouth pirates wedge her by accident under ludden bridge and then have another accident and so win myself eternal thanks from all local yachtsmen when we got to Ersted mill we were also taken with a story of the skipper's of a catch of fish he had had there recently that we moored to the bank and arranged to stay the night there some of us walking back to have another look at ludham and to get a sight of the interior of the church which was shut when we went there the evening before a fine big old church it is too standing in a big green churchyard but sadly out of repair when we came back we found the rest of our party sitting lazily by the old drainage mill pulling out rudd as fast as they could a very curious experience it was to most of us to see grave respectable people capturing large gold fish for edible purposes for one really can hardly tell a small rudd from a big goldfish very good eating they were too later on at dinner but it was cruel work cooking them in the muggy dead heat of the autumn night which made the caboose almost unbearable the heat had been great all day and just as the sun was setting it seemed to get greater still for there was not a breath of wind stirring anywhere the fish were biting very fast indeed more so indeed than i have ever seen them before or since when all of a sudden they left off and the fishers who had resumed their labours after dinner left off too then there was a curiously rapid accession of darkness and next a little growl of thunder and the solitary sallow bush stirred its leaves for a second or two before it once more became as still as if it were in a photograph next came a nearer growl and just a shine of lightning and we knew we were in for a good old-fashioned marsh storm tungate and the other men were not long before they downed the mast and spread the covers over the cabin top and before they had well done there was a flare and a crack not a mile off that made us all jump in earnest we were hardly in time to catch the full effect for we were all inside but before the next came we were all on the lookout then it came with a vengeance for out of a great black low cloud flashed a bayonet-like flare that dazzled our eyes beyond bearing and as it seemed to thrust itself into the earth behind ludham hall which stands on a mound it lit up the edges of the trees and house in the most intensely vivid way before we could think or say a word the heavy thunder crash was upon us shaking the boat till one could almost fancy that it rocked a little on the water we were all affected differently 
all were decidedly of a more serious turn of mind than we had been an hour before the antiquary tried to remember the records of more violent storms as a sort of consolation to fatima the poet who as noted before was suspected of romanistic tendencies muttered something in a foreign tongue which we had reason to believe he considered latin i tried to take comfort in the fact that the adjoining mill was a much more prominent object than our boat low-lying on the water as it was fatterman who i believe in his native land is not wholly unconnected with iron goods endeavoured to explain what a desirable thing it would be if the whole of the marshes were secured from lightning by the erection of certain rods details of which and of other expense he gave me but which i have forgotten though i shall be happy to insert them as an advertisement in my next edition for nearly an hour the storm a dry storm and therefore dangerous raged and we all got as nervous as cats but nothing came of it and at last suddenly there was a sough of wind and with it the welcome dash and splash of rain how it did rain too the plankways parched and dry with weeks of sun let in the water everywhere the old boat suffering the most of course however in half an hour it was all over and the most delicious freshness came over the marsh and up from the water and we all came out and sat in the stern sheets enjoying it extremely the creepy feeling of the storm had hardly left us so it was a fine time for telling ghost stories and we slid into telling them almost unawares tungate came out well with a local ghost story of recent date which affected us greatly at the time as near as i can remember it was to this effect jimmy cox all coxes come from barton the only other inhabitants of that village being watts's who kept an eel set near Ersted shoals died as even coxes must three weeks after waters a great big wherryman from up the end of the barton river by ebridge mill and about as strong and good a waterman as there is on the north river was coming down with his laden wherry from the canal and stopped for the night at Ersted shoals he was just going out to empty the leaves from his teapot before going to bed when who should he see but jimmy cox sitting on the tiller and looking as comfortable and homelike as never was why jimmy i thought ya was dead said waters but jimmy he say never a word and then waters he bobbed into the cabin again and wondered what he should do till he got that frightened that he dashed out with his eyes shut not to see jimmy and he up with his quant and away he shoved out of the shoals till he was right away 
and then in he bobbed again and covered his head and sweated till the morning came and never again will he lay in ersted shoals so at least said and says tungate it was so deliciously cool and pleasant that night that we could hardly persuade ourselves to go to rest but sat watching the glaze worms as old tungate kept calling the glow-worms for a long while after this we went to bed next morning he pointed out a place where his father had once crept up behind a tree and had three distinct misfires at an old hare couched in the snow click 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 had his old flint gun gone thrice without setting fire to the charge when the old poacher was somewhat disgusted by his landlord who had been behind him looking on and grinning tapping his shoulder and saying well boar i think you should let her go this time next morning we were brought to a stop in ersted shoals near the church by a laden wherry which had got aground and blocked up the channel soon there were five boats all stern to bow till the narrow stream looked like a small imitation of the suez canal and it took the united strength of the crews of all the wherries to pull and shove the offending craft rather more aground than it was before so as to let us all squeeze by how the sinner ever got off i don't know but i remember the irate owner coming up and calling out to his skipper with bitter emphasis you are a fool john and to the latter pithily replying yes master the world's full on em during the enforced delay we picked enough sweet sag or sweet sedge acarus calamus to perfume and litter the boat for days and also made our first acquaintance with the myrtle-like leaved sweet gale bushes which were formerly used for strewing floors and for church decoration ersted shoals is the only place where i have seen it chiefest and loveliest of all the marsh flowers is the bog bean with its delicate orchis-like blossoms but for this unhappily we were too late as also for the meadows red with ragged robin we got the key of the church and inspected its wonderful carved rood screen and great oaken benches adzed and not sawn rough as the seats of backwoodsmen and while pottering about in the boat were lucky enough to find nearly a clothes basket full of mushrooms on an old manure heap under a stack at last we got clear and when under way the liar read a document which he alleged he had found on the bank and which purported to describe an incident up this river and which if he really did find it would seem to have been a missing chapter from some unpublished guide-book it read thus 
we had dawdled about with our rods for an hour or so after tea but had only had poor sport five pike of seven to nine pounds each being all with the exception of a few medium-sized perch rudd roach dace and a sea trout that we had secured for a large conger eel had taken away after snatching out of our hands and swallowing the boat hook with which we had tried to land him the weather was still intensely hot and we had just half smoked our first pipes when i noticed the reeds stirring in a strange spiral way half a mile off i knew at once from the haystacks and bullocks that were floating about in the air that it was a roger and having rushed and made everything as taut as i could in the limited time at my command and taken especial care to secure the top man-lift to the spare painter of the jolly and lash the gaff to the forepeak so as to be prepared for the worst i sent my friend smith below and catching hold of the helm put the jabberwock's nose straight at the coming whirlwind it was lucky i did so for had we been broadside on the consequences would have been serious as it was the tornado-like circular current of air caught first our jib and then our main and twisting us out of the water spirally as though with a gigantic corkscrew actually lifted us over the rond on to the little broad to the east of the river into which we fell luckily on an even keel with a dash and a squatter which sent the water flying for a hundred yards she was strained and leaked a little but that was all the most curious part of the whole affair was that we lighted fairly on the top of a sixteen-pound pike which was basking in the sun on the surface of the water and as our fall not unnaturally stunned him he was easily secured and formed a welcome addition to our small bag having regained the main channel we moored at the corner and after a frugal meal off a small pike stuffed with sardines and washed down with stout and soda water a drink i can cordially recommend we turned in somehow or another i could not sleep that night whether it was smith who snored stentoriously or the noise of the big thirty-pound pike which we had caught a few days before and which was still lively and kicking hammering about in the forepeak i do not know but the fact remains i was leaning on my elbow looking out into the moonlight when i saw a sight that struck me with amazement on the bank twenty feet off was a fine dog otter gathering himself up for a spring in the direction of our boat i watched intently but not for long for with a leap long and lithe as that of a leopard he landed in the well of our boat 
the jar of his fall shaking the yacht to its very keel for a minute or so it stood listening intently and was moving off to the plankway on the other side of the boat when it paused and if i may use the expression a troubled expression seemed to steal over its face as it looked down and noticed that it had left the muddy tracks of its spore on our snow-white deck after a moment's reflection it crept round to the forepeak and pushing the hatchway aside with its muzzle brought up a mop and carrying it as a dog would a stick to the spot first removed the mud from its paws and then cleaned up all traces of its presence this done it replaced the mop and listened once more so did i for the first time i noticed a curious grunting sound emerging from a thicket of reeds which covered a little pool which i had long known as bacon's pulk in my ignorance i had always thought that the spot had taken its name from that of a former owner but as in the still moonlight the weird like grunts sounded at intervals thoughts arose in my mind whether they might not arise from a last survivor of the wild boar of the fens which had lurked unobserved in these wild solitudes in vain i tried to take a more prosaic view of the situation and to conclude that it was only smith snoring worse if possible than usual i crept up out of the cabin noiselessly and stood waiting the wind blew chill and cold round my bare legs but i did not heed it though it lifted the scanty skirts of my nightgown to an extent that would have been embarrassing had any one been near i waited intently so did the otter at last i noticed with mixed astonishment and delight the great hog-backed bristly form of the very beast i had hoped to see the primeval wild boar rise high above the rushes so did the otter which with a scream of mingled rage and delight gathered itself together and leapt over the water at its ancient foe never shall i forget that strange scene how the water grew red with blood as they gnashed and tore one another rolling over and over in the mud and crushing and breaking down the rushes till the very water rats fled affrighted i could bear the suspense no longer but jumped below and seizing my gun waited till their two heads were clenched in one more fierce bite when i sent two barrels of number six into them respectively the sudden glare of light following the deafening report woke smith who rushed up half awake to know what was the matter i could only point to the pool but the commotion had died away the moonlight slept on the rippleless water 
and there was absolutely nothing to see smith was rude and implied disbelief of my whole story gave vent to offensive language at my having woke him unnecessarily and expressed a wish to know if i had also shot any pink guinea pigs with blue spots next day too he affected to find a dead water rat and facetiously alleged that it was all i had shot we then here unluckily the manuscript ended and wearied out we went below to well-earned repose End of chapter 6